Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. God is good. It's so good to be in his house. I have to tell you, after um, yesterday and, you know, waking up to the snowfall and then even waking up early when the sun wasn't out this morning, I walked outside right before I came into the building and the sun was shining and the verse came to my heart. This is the day that the Lord has made and we will be glad and rejoice in it. Could we praise God for his goodness? Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm so excited to be sharing today's word. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11 as we continue on our faith series. Our first two weeks, it took us two weeks to break down the definition of faith. And I want to begin with that right now. I want you to get uh, these two definitions into your heart. Okay, these are very, very important for us to have deep inside of us. Faith is confident expectation in the, let's say this together, presence, power, and provision of the unseen God. It's confident expectation in the presence, power, and provision of the unseen God. And then faith also is absolute belief and trust, everyone, in the command of God. It is the combination of these two definitions that really make up our faith. On one side of it, it's faith in the person of God. On the other side of it, and it's one definition, but it's it's multifaceted. So on the first side, it's it's confident expectation in the character, in the person of God. The second one is, Lord, the moment you speak, it is done. It's absolute trust and confidence in the fact that if God says it, there is nothing on the planet that can stop the word of the Lord. How many would say amen with me today? How many believe that? Come on, let's clap for the Bible, for the word of God. In the Bible, he says, I put my word above my name. I put my word above my name. And John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. You see the combination of both of these definitions. And so we have the word of God to to completely trust in. And the, the person of God and the word of God are enough for us to completely live by faith. And now we're going to begin to walk down a series of examples of our heroes in the faith. And I want to say this. So this series now turns from definitions to examples. And now we're going to look at our heroes of faith, our patriarchs. What's so awesome about this chapter is that because we are also part of the line of the children of God, this is our family. These are our ancestors. We're connected to all of those that are in the hall of faith. See, you know, I have, uh, I, I have my own heritage. I have my dad's side uh, of people. And, and I, I saw a picture once of 
my grandfather, I never met my grandfather, he died in Cuba, but I saw a picture once of him, and it was amazing because even though I didn't have his face, his hands, the way I, the way I sit, I was like, oh snap, that is my grandpa. You know, Tommy's face is more like his face. And so there's this line that way, and then there's this line on my mother's side. But when I became a Christian, the, there was an even more important line that I became part of. And so look, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how you go back on the earth. What matters is how we go back in the eternal family of God. And what we're going to see, and here's, we want to live the way the patriarchs, the way our spiritual ancestors lived. How many want to live by faith in 2019? Amen. We want to live by faith. We want, to, we want to be inspired by the examples of those who went before us and please God, even though they were not perfect. What I love about this list is that these were not perfect people. Because faith is not about our perfection. Faith is is about his perfection. We can trust in the amazing perfection of our God. Amen? Praise the Lord. So Hebrews chapter 11, now we're going to begin with verse 4. It says, by the way, I'm, I'm going to be switching translations. I know I'm bouncing back and forth, but what I'm trying to do, especially for this particular series, is I'm trying to find the best articulation. Translations are, are, are a variety of emphases on words that are in the original and also what they meant in context. There's two ways that you translate the Bible. From the Old Testament, Hebrew was, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament is written in Greek, okay? But we read in English. And so there's a translation. Now we can trust the Holy Spirit to inspire his word from Hebrew to, uh, to English. God can still speak to it, but the, what the translators were attempting to do is to get it literally, okay, but because times change, you know, um, there, things mean different, things are said differently in different generations. You know, so it, I could say when I was a kid, so, if someone said he kicked the bucket, that means he's gone. Right. So we know it doesn't literally mean he went over and kicked the bucket. So there are there are idioms and a translator has the challenge of capturing both, not just what the words literally say, but to make sure that we understand it in the here and now. By the way, Jesus and all of the apostles, when they spoke, there were two kinds of Greek. This wasn't in my notes, but I think I should say it. There were two kinds of Greek. There was the high Greek, and then there was the common Greek, the koinonia. They spoke the common Greek. Because the purpose of a translation and the purpose of a Bible of the Bible is to communicate in the most simple way so that you get it. How many want to get it? Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, so for today's purposes, we're using the Passion Translation. And, uh, and here's what it says. It says, faith moved able. Everyone say, faith moved able. That's what this message is all about. Faith moved Abel. Now, faith moved Abel to choose a more acceptable sacrifice to offer God than his brother Cain. 
And God declared him righteous because of his offering of faith. By faith, Abel still speaks instruction to us today. Powerful. Even though he is long dead. So, so this is now what we're going to do is focus on the story of Cain and Abel very quickly. But from the Hebrews, Hebrews perspective, the focus is his faith. Now let's run uh, very quickly to Genesis because um, now we're going to see what, what he's really talking about. Genesis chapter 4 says, now Adam has sexual relations with his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, help I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. He gave the best of the first. Okay? The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Now, this is very, very important. Everyone, please listen. It, so the Bible says here, Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain? What are you angry about? He says, Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. Okay? You will be accepted if you do what is right. In other words, God was saying to him, and we'll circle back on this, but God was saying to him, look, it's okay, try again. Try again. Offer what's right, you'll be accepted, try again. Very, very important. He says, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Why? Because sin is crouching at the door, literally at the threshold. Okay? That literally means at the threshold. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. So here you have a story of two brothers, okay? And they have two impulses. One gives in to the impulse of faith. The other one gives in to the impulse of the flesh. And the title of the message today is the impulse of faith. Because what we're going to talk about today is the fact that one of the most natural things to the heart of faith is that faith has an impulse to worship God. You see, faith, there's something inside of us, and you're going to see this. I'm gonna, I believe I'm going to present a strong argument to you today. There's something inside of us that when faith is inside of us, it has this impulse to worship God. And what's so great about us being on this fast is that when you start the year and you, and you go on a fast, since you're saying no to, to different things of this earth and of the world and of the flesh, 
it actually makes your spiritual impulses and sensitivities higher. And so you can hear God better. The less you're listening to the world, how many know the more you can hear God? And that's what's so awesome about this time of the year. And, and I feel like I'm so excited about today's message for you. I'm excited about it for me. You know, I've been thinking about this and I'm so excited about the fact that I believe that a man or a woman's walk with God is based on all of the different, all of the ways that they respond to the impulses of God inside of their heart. You see, the Bible says, he who begins the good work, he also carries it on to completion. You know what that means? That means that whenever you get an impulse, a desire to do something right, good, God-honoring, that came from the Holy Spirit. How many would say amen? So what we want to do is we want to develop a sensitivity to that faith impulse, the impulse that really wants to worship and honor God. You see, living by faith is an issue of the heart. It's, it's a hard issue. And I'm telling you right now, the older I get, and I, I, I have to tell I'm getting more serious about Jesus. I'm getting more serious about God. I desire, I, I, I feel such a burning desire to be close to Jesus. And that's what I want for you. And I, I want it that the sooner the better. If you're young, I'm telling you right now, the sooner the better the sooner we get souls sold out for God, the better. You'll see how God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And it all begins with what God is doing inside of our hearts. How many would pray with me this morning and say, God, put the impulse of faith in me. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you. Oh, how we love you, God. We love you, Lord. We love you. And we thank you. God, thank you for saving us. Thank you for rescuing us, oh God. Thank you, Lord, that our, we became part of the line of the great heroes of faith, Lord. Thank you for making us part. Thank you for grafting us into the vine. Thank you, Lord. You paid the price so that we could be part of the great line of faith, oh God. And so, Lord, bless this word. Lord, they prayed in the Bible, Lord, increase our faith. God, increase inside of us what is pleasing to you, I pray. And Lord, make us sensitive to every impulse from the Holy Spirit. Every impulse that is created by the word of God getting deep inside of us. Your word creates an impulse of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. God, grow the impulse of faith and let 2019 be our greatest year walking with you than ever. In the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said, Amen and amen. I need a tissue. Amen and amen. Can I get a tissue?
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Give me a sec. Praise you, Lord. That's okay. Jeremiah was a weeping prophet, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So let's, let's start walking through this. The title of the message is The Impulse of Faith. So what is an impulse? An impulse is a strong, sudden urge or desire to act. I think true to form, the second uh, um, aspect of impulse is kind of like more true to this text. It's a driving or motivating force, okay? As we talk about faith today, we want to talk about faith as the driving or motivating force of our lives. What does that look like? How does that play out when faith is the driving or motivating force? That is the key question. When someone is really uh, uh, desiring to please God and honor God by living by faith, what is inside of him? Well, Hebrews chapter 11 basically says that the impulse of faith, first and foremost, it leads us to offer sacrifices to God. From the very beginning, the impulse of faith led people to offer sacrifices. Faith moved Abel. Faith moved Abel to offer a sacrifice to God. A certain type of sacrifice. We're going to break this down. But when, there's, when faith is really at work in our hearts, what happens is that faith moves us to want to give an offering to God. It moves us to want to worship God, to want to love God, to want to bless God. When, when faith is really alive in a person's heart, there's something inside of them that reaches to the Lord. Is your heart reaching to him? Because that's what faith does. Faith reaches to the Lord. Amen? It's like an impulse. The Bible says from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, I, I've, I've told this, this uh, story once that we were, we were playing down on, a, on Irving Park across from Horner Park. There's this little park with the fence around it. And I know they play softball, wheelchair softball there, among other things. And when Tommy was really little, uh, maybe eight or, no, maybe nine or ten. Um, he and I and another dad, uh, actually two dads, we said, let's do something fun for the kids. Let's do a home run contest. And um, we, so, you know, everybody got four pitches. The dads hit, and, and then the sons hit. It was really about the sons, but we, we just made a joke out of it. And so... Um, so they went, and they kept going back. You know, everybody got their turn. And when Tommy got up and he was pitching, he, he hit the ball, and he hit the fence, and he hit the ball, and there's a ground ball, and he hit the ball over here. And then he got one pitch, boom, and he hit the ball. It just kind of like creeped over, and he hit the ball out of the park. So when he hit the ball out of the park, he started going, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, 
praise the Lord. And I was like, chill, bro. But you know what? That was his faith impulse. So it kind of, I laughed about it later, but I, 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 I thought about, he was probably praying, a man, a little nine-year-old praying so that the ball would go over the fence. And when he got it, he gave God the glory. How many know the Bible says, unless you become like a little child, we should be every day, praise the Lord, look at what he did for me. Every time we get a paycheck, praise the Lord, look at how he provided for me. Every time we woke up, praise the Lord, he's keeping me alive. Praise the Lord, he's so good, hallelujah. God is so good, he's so good to me. Hallelujah. Don't you love that song? God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me, to higher key. What's the impulse? You see? Look at what our patriarchs and our ancestors did. Watch this. This is all throughout. Look, this is, this is the common theme of the Old Testament, and in particular, the book of Genesis. It's blessing. Blessing is used 88 times. People messed up, and God turned around and blessed them because that's his heart. So look, look, look at what, what faith does is faith recognizes and responds. Here's how it matches with the, with the definition now. Here's how it comes together. Faith recognizes and responds to the presence, power, and provision of God by offering sacrifices. You see, was God there when he hit the ball over the fence? Did he see him, should I say? Did he actually see him? Did Jesus manifest on the field? No. That's not, but he believed that he was there. He believed that he was helped. He believed that God gave him energy to strike the ball and get it over the fence. Well, how many know we should believe too? We should believe that in the little things and in the big things, God is there by his presence, power, and provision, and he's helping us. How many would say amen? How do I know we should do this? Because this is what our ancestors did. Watch, look at what Noah did. It says then Noah, he gets out of the ark. He gets out of the ark. It says Noah built an altar to the Lord. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offering, I will give this land. He says, you see that land? I'm gonna give it to you. So what did he did? He built an altar and said, praise you, God. We get a promise from God, we build an altar. We get a revelation from God. We build an altar. We say we worship you, God. The impulse of faith is to offer a sacrifice to God. Isaac built an altar, and he called on the name of the Lord. He pitched his tent there, and there his servants dug a well. He says, Lord, you are my provider. You're the one who gives me water to drink. Amen. A few more. Then Jacob said, go. Then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there. Bethel is house of God. And build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. When you were running because you lied, 
because you you were a double dealer, because you were a trickster and a, and a scam artist, and you ran. Guess what I did? I went and met you. How many are thankful that when we're running from God, he runs to meet us? Hallelujah. And what does he deserve? He deserves an offering. You see, that's what he deserves. It says, then Joshua built a Mount Ebal, an altar. See, the great patriarchs of God. All right, Moses built an altar to God and said, the Lord is my banner. When you're in a battle, I praise you. I worship you. There are sacrifices that we offer up to God. In other words, in other words, it's like, you know, it's like the, the, again, another story. I was thinking, Lord, give me stories today. I've told the story about a woman in McDonald's. I was driving up to Connecticut, pulled over in one of those rest stops, you know, McDonald's. We're all waiting, big line. Right in front of me, there was this dude with a suit on. I was like, this dude had to be a football player. He's huge, huge man. And he's waiting there, and we're talking. And there's this lady behind the thing at McDonald's, and she's just like a sunbeam talking. Hey, thank you. Have a great day. And I'm like, man, how could you be so happy right now, you know? <laughs> and the big man stands up at that altar, and he looks down, and he says, look, I, at, the, at the counter. <laughs> Freudian slip or something like that. Yes. I had to shatter that altar for the fast. So I go like this when I go by McDonald's. No, Lord. But so stands at the counter. I mean, he's like this. And she's a tiny little thing. And she's looking up. How may I help you? And he goes, you know, before I give you my order, everybody here wants to know there's a bunch of people. What's the secret of your joy? And she goes, oh, that's easy, sir. It's the Lord Jesus Christ is in my heart. I was like, oh snap, that's awesome. You know, it was amazing. She was a giant right there. And you know what? It was the impulse. You know what I'm praying? I'm praying that this year, God would give us such beautiful faith impulses wherever we go whatever we're doing, that it just, it just shoots right out of our hearts, that faith would move us and that we would respond to that faith just like Noah did, just like Moses did, just like Joshua did, just like Isaac did. They built altars to God. So look, I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your personality is, all right? There's an impulse that God wants to give you that will be amazingly pleasing to God. We need to get a hold of that thing. How many would say amen? Here's the last example of this. You know, there was a man, uh, his book, if you want to read an amazing story of faith, uh, Richard Wormbrand wrote the book, Tortured for Christ. Um, he was in prison for preaching in the underground church in the 1940s. 
Soviet-occupied Romania. He had no problem talking about, um, you know, the, the communist powers, all of the oppressive powers. He stood up very boldly, spoke against it, ended up in prison. Listen to this. While in prison, he couldn't help but give to the impulse, give in to the impulse to offer a sacrifice. His story records that when we were given one slice of bread a week and dirty soup every day, we decided that we would faithfully tithe even that. Every 10th week, we took the slice of bread and gave it to the weaker brethren as our tithe to the master. The impulse of faith was so strong in this man that even with his food being tortured in that oppressive environment, he just had to give to God. You see? And so a lot of people, they get, they get so caught up with the act, you know, and it is an act. But the real issue is the impulse. See, because remember, God doesn't need anything from us. Nothing. We need everything from him, but how many know God doesn't need anything from us? He doesn't. But there's something beautiful when we say, I want to give something back to you. I have to tell you, this is... This is so precious to me because we're talking about the heart of the matter. You know what the heart of the matter is? The heart. The heart of the matter is the heart. Wherever you go, whatever you're called to, the heart of the matter is the heart. If you really want to please God, Pleasing God comes from the heart. And God is so wonderful, he's so faithful that he even puts that desire to say, look, this might be different, this might be new, but do this because it pleases me. Now we're gonna get into the part two of faith. Okay? Because faith, the impulse of faith it makes us want to offer something to God. But here's the second thing. The impulse of faith, okay, wants to, the, the impulse of faith is to offer God what pleases him. And there's a difference. It's not just to offer God something, it's to offer what pleases him. You see? It says, faith moved Abe, moved able to choose a more acceptable sacrifice to offer God than his brother. It was more acceptable. Why was it more acceptable? It was more acceptable because when God looked at his heart, he saw the beautiful desire to really please him. You see, when God looked deep down into the heart of the matter, he saw that he, now, there are a lot of different ways we can, this actual passage of scripture has been kind of parsed and exegeted in a variety of ways. Well, God wanted a blood sacrifice, which is probably true. 
God wanted this. He gave him the best of the first. That's probably true. But this text is not necessarily talking about that. Okay? Those are all true things. But the real issue is, is the issue of the heart. And when you really want to offer God something, how many know we have to offer God what pleases him? Go ahead and whisper. See, because a lot of people, they're okay with offering, but they want to offer what they want to offer. You know what you call that? That's the spirit of Cain. Churches, I hate to say this, but churches can be filled with people that have the spirit of Cain. May it not be so of any church, but they can be. That's why we need a work of the spirit in our hearts. See, because some people say, I offer God what I want to offer him. And God says, look, it's okay. It didn't work the first time. Stop. Let's try that again. He says to Cain, Cain, if you offer what's right, won't it be accepted? But he refused. This is the first false religion in all of scripture. You know what false religion is? False religion is saying, I get to offer God what I want to offer God. That is a false religion. We have to offer God what he wants offered and what pleases him. How many would say amen? We want to please God with our offerings. Come on, let's put our hands together for that. Yes, Lord. And so this is, this is very, very important for us to understand because there are things in the Bible that reveal how we're supposed to offer God. So I'm going to give you a, a few. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually, everyone read this with me, offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Everybody say sacrifice of praise. You know what a sacrifice of praise is? It's a sacrifice of praise. It means that we praise God. And when we come to praise God, we don't come to God. We don't come. So it's so simple. We don't come to God the way we like and say, well, you don't know my personality. You know, that has nothing to do with this. That has nothing to do with this. Okay. Watch. Therefore, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually, that means all the time. Let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. And then it defines it. Here it is. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Not secretly, openly. You can do it in secret, but how many know your soul should do it in open, in the open, uh, out in the open? So, so where do we get, when people say, man, they, they, they sing so loud at that church. Where do we get it? The Bible. Why do we praise him out loud? Why do we say, hallelujah, Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. It's because I want to give him the sacrifice of praise. I don't know about you, but I, he's worthy. He's worthy of the sacrifice of praise. Hallelujah. And we, 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 we see the world 
worshiping their stars and we don't worship the bright and morning star. You know, it should be so natural, so normal. Man, I got this, I got this, uh, you know, I went to speak at a place in Springfield and uh, pretty large church. I spoke, they broke an attendance record that night. This is a couple of weeks ago. And um, I had over 6,000 people in a prayer meeting, midweek service. Amazing. But anyone that got there, typically if you go to speak, they'll have a basket, they have extra water and some peanuts or whatever. So, so I, you know, happy for that because your schedule a lot of times a little that little granola bar that they leave there is all you're going to eat anyway but this there's baskets and then there's baskets this was a basket and there was a basket and there were a couple gifts they got a gift for my wife then there was a gift there that I didn't even open because I was so caught up with speaking or whatever but then the next morning after church we had a blessed day my wife ran out for something and I opened the gift, and when I opened the gift, I looked, and it was like some headphones. And they were really cool. And I kind of popped them into my ears, and they sounded so good. And I just started crying there, saying, Lord, I can't believe that I get to do what I do, and I get to serve you. And, and, like, and then we get blessed for serving God. I'm like, I mean, I also said, man, I shouldn't have bought those Apple things. These, this was, these are better, but, but like, man, you ever think about the little things? How about you, does God treat you? You ever sit down and get the sandwich you want or get the this that you want or, how many would say amen? Thank you, Lord. Come on, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, we give you the credit for all of it, oh God. Thank you, Lord, thank you. And when he does it, when he does it, when you, when you hit the little home run of your life, what's your home run? When you hit that little home run and you prayed and you asked God to help you, shouldn't we say hallelujah to your name, oh God? It's right to give thanks and praise. Watch, here's another one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, everyone say your bodies, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So, I wanna say this real quick. Every, every year at this time, I always have the same conversation. Every year, every year at this time, someone will come and ask me, about drinking because of New Year's. You know, I was talking to someone yesterday about drinking and I was telling them, look, the fundamental issue when it comes to drinking, the fundamental core, pure heart issue, it's not the act, it's the heart. So there are the things that we wanna do and we desire to do but when the Bible says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, by, this, by the way, this goes to a lot of issues that we do with our bodies, all the issues. 
okay? God says, give your whole body to Jesus. Thank you for pushing out a couple of those hallelujahs. Right? Climb up on the altar. Say, I belong to you, God. Burn me up like a lamb. If you don't want me to drink, who cares about drinking? My body is yours. You don't want me to do this. Who cares about that? My body is yours. You know, when you look at it from that level, the conversation changes. Everything changes. So the Bible says, offer your bodies. Look, sexual immorality, people shacking up together, people living together. The Bible says your bodies should be a sacrifice of praise, plain and simple. Oh, but you don't understand. Don't say that. People might get offended. Yeah. But we want to please God. I'd rather my own flesh be offended, but the Spirit of God, the heart of God, be pleased. So, look. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, if you have God's mercy, offer your bodies. The fruit of your lips, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The true and proper worship is with all of us. With all of us. Here's another one. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me, the Lord says in this. See if I, so even when it comes to actual giving, the finances, okay, the issue is, it's like when you really, really believe that it was his presence in your life. Let's go through the definition now. When you really believe that it was his presence that brought that paycheck, paycheck. It was his power. It was his provision. When you really believe that, then saying, here, God, I'm going to give you this plus more piece of cake. That's why I always tell people, look, don't give to a church. Give to God. Now, you give to God in the church. But the heart of it is not that you're giving to Chicago Tabernacle. All right? You're giving to Jesus. You're thanking him in the good times and in the bad times. How many would agree the name of the Lord should be praised? Hallelujah. That's all right. I know you're dealing with the impulse. I know the impulse. You're, you're, you're working through it. That's okay. But here's, here, I've got, you know, one more quick thing to say. One example, and then we're going to be done here. But here's what I'm praying. All right? I'm praying that when you leave today, you put this in the practice. I'm praying, start in private. Lift your hands to God. Lift your voice to God. Take a walk. Take a walk. I'm telling you. David said, bless the Lord, oh my soul. The Bible says that on the night that Jesus was crucified, after they ate, they sang a hymn. Do you imagine Jesus singing the night that he was going to be crucified? Within hours, they were going to come and arrest him, and he was praising God. You want to talk about a sacrifice of praise? You see? They were in prison, and they began to sing in the middle of the night, and the chains fell off, and the gates were blown open. Because there's something powerful about when people praise him and worship him. If you haven't started to give God, to God, I want to encourage you, take a step of faith. 
Start giving to the Lord. It's going gonna, it's gonna to change the way you wake up and the way you walk out. It, I'm telling you, it literally, you're like, it's like, the Lord's got me covered. Never will he leave me. Never will he forsake me. Hallelujah. In the good times and the bad times, God is able to provide. You know what I'm saying? Look, I want to close with this story. Listen. So in the Civil War, there was a man named Charles McCabe. He was a chaplain. Became the chancellor of American University. Look, McCabe set out to raise $1 million for missions, but met many disappointments. In the midst of discouragement, he received a letter from a young boy. Dear Chaplain McCabe, I'm sure you're going to get a million dollars for missions, and I'm going to help. So here's a nickel toward it. It's all I've got right now, but if you need any more, just call on me. <laughs> this became McCabe's most effective story in his campaign, and by it, he was able to reach his goal for missions. But here's the thing that gets me. See, the faith impulse is the nickel impulse. I want that nickel impulse deep inside of my heart. I bet you that nickel meant a lot to that little boy. But his impulse was, listen, his impulse was, I want to be part of what God is doing. I love you, God. I believe in you, God. And you know what, God? I, you know, I wish I knew that kid's name because I guarantee you that was a little blessed guy. I bet you he went on to become like an amazing man and was blessed beyond measure. Blessed beyond measure. Why? Because from the earliest age, he developed the faith impulse. I want us to grow in faith. How many want 2019 to be a year of faith? Hallelujah. Come on, let's put our hands together and bless God. <laughs> lift your hands. Come on, let's lift our hands right now. Let's lift our hands to Him. We love you, God. We love you. We love you. Could you... Start putting the Word of God into practice. Come on, get, let's, let's begin with the fruit of our lips. Just say, hallelujah. We love you, God. We worship you. Come on, the Lord is on His mighty throne. He looks down. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We love you, God. We offer you, O oh God, the sacrifice of praise. Oh, they are. 
everyone to put your hand on your heart. There are people here today that God is calling you. There's an impulse of faith in your heart. God is calling you to give him something. You know what it is. It could be give up something. right here as we stand in his holy presence we want to pray that we would give God what pleases him it could be a person it could be a path it could be a, a, um, a, a partnership something in business but God is saying to you I want you to give that up to me because you love me, I want you to offer faith. Let your faith move you today to offer to me what pleases me. Hallelujah, Jesus. As we search our hearts, come on, let's pray for our hearts. Father, we give our hearts to you today. 
We give our hearts to you, Lord. We love you. We honor you. We praise you. We pray for the faith impulse, oh God, to be strong, oh God, even above the flesh impulse. The impulse that says, I don't want to let go. The impulse that says, I want this or I want it my way. God, we release the flesh and we say yes to you. We love you. We honor you. We desire you, oh God. God, I pray that we would grow in our sensitivity to the impulse of faith. God, that we would grow in our understanding, oh God, of our perceiving first your presence, power, and provision, and then responding to it, Lord, with praise and worship and honor and surrender, oh God. I pray that we would be a people of faith in 2019. God, I pray that you would bring clarity right now of what the faith issues are in each life, in each heart. God, bring clarity, God. And help us to please you and to make offerings to you that bless your heart and glorify your heart. May every heart here be moved by faith. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen and amen. Come on, let's put our hands together and bless God. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise him just for a minute. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We thank you, God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Greet one another before you go. We hope to see you Tuesday. God bless you, everyone.